we all will have events that come into our life that are life-changing. For some of us, it'll change for the negative. For some, it'll change for the positive. It's really how we respond to the event. We'll all have life-changing moments. You've had them. I've had them. And sometimes we don't think that God is still there even when we don't know him. That even through these life-changing moments, God is there every step of the way, even though we have yet to come to know him. Even when we do know him and we go through our painful situations or whatever life change we go through, God is always there. Sometimes we just don't recognize that he is until we look in retrospect. But we all go through life-changing moments. I remember one of my life-changing moments. It's not, you know, very spiritual, but it was a life-changing moment. I love candy. When I was young uh, and I was introduced to the concept of candy, uh, it was different than baby food. It was different than table food. It was different than any other food. Candy was good. It tasted really good. Chocolate was the best. And so I, I, I loved candy. And I loved candy so much that I would even go to the store and help myself to some candy. Remember when you go to the sampling, uh, they would have all the different candies and, and you would sample, a.k.a. steal. And you would say, I'm just taking one, you know, it's all out. You got to put them in the bag after you just sample. And then I, I learned the concept of this thing called Halloween. Halloween. That my friends would come over and, and I, I was learning about Halloween and they said, hey, if you dress up, you can go to any house and they would give you candy for free. And I said, no way. They said, yeah. You just got to dress up in some outfit. And I said, I can wear that. I'll wear it. I, I, if I can get candy, I'll do that. And remember, you get all your friends and your relatives, your cousins. You dress up as a hobo or, 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 or a football player because it was easy. You had the pads and you had the helmet because you played football. So you, you could dress up as whatever you wanted to dress up as. And it was simple. You go to the house and you say the magic words, trick or treat. And they gave me candy. I thought, this, it can't be that simple. Come on. And I said, who's doing this? He said, everybody. Everybody's doing this? Yep. We went to all the houses, and we had sacks of, you know, pillowcases of candy. Because paper bags weren't cutting it. We had to use our pillowcases. We had like three pillowcases full of candy. And then you would sort it out. You'd be like, what is this? Smarties. I don't want Smarties. Whoppers. I'll take Whoppers, Snickers. And you'd separate the good candy from the bad candy. Now, the good thing was some people like your bad candy and you like their bad candy. So if you teamed up and strategized, you would, even, you would get the best candy possible. So that to me was a life-changing moment. When I heard this song on the radio, and this is probably in the 90s, and may have been for you, it was a life-changing moment because a song came on and it was boom, 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 boom. Remember that? And you're like, oh, this is, the, this, is the, this is the greatest rap song ever. And then the video came out. And you're like, whoa. He's white. Life-changing moment. I met my wife Heidi in seventh grade. And when she met me, she almost beat me up. That's how we met. Life-changing moment. Been married for 21 years. It worked. Life-changing moment. Now, you're going to have life-changing moments in your life and, and, and your family. There's going to be those moments. 
But even for us as a society, as the world, we've gone through life-changing moments. Our, our, the United States of America, December 7th, 1941, the bombing of Pearl Harbor, life-changing moment. Just recently, in the new millennium, 9-11, life-changing moment. Everything changed after that. We will all encounter life-changing moments. But the question is, what do we do with them? How do we respond to life-changing moments? Because it can go for the good and it can go for the bad. But one of life's greatest life-changing moments came when God stepped off of his throne and came into this world as a human being and lived and then died and then came back to life. That was life's greatest moment in history of a changed moment. Some of us understand it. Some of us may not. Some of us have, have come to the grips that life is full of problems. And we've come to the realization that Christ living in me makes sense. Because I, I tried to live on my own. I tried to do things by myself, but it just doesn't work. It's Christ living in me. But how does that all work out? Because it, it seems almost religious for that to take place. How does that all work out? Because we all have problems to deal with. We all have problems that we face every day. How many of you guys have problems right now in your life? You just have problems. Don't look at the person. Just raise your hand. You just have problems. We all do. We all have problems in our life. Josh, uh, John McDonald, you said it this way. Every problem, every problem introduces a person to himself. See, every problem we come across, is, it's going to show us what we're made out of. Life-changing moments cause us to face who we are in life and where we are in life. And what we do with that life-changing moment may possibly define who we are. Now, the disciples, when they were walking with Jesus Christ, these were, these were the ones that were following him, the ones that Christ chose to follow him and then to carry on the, the, the legacy, the great commission the life of Jesus Christ and, and everything that he taught them. He said, he said these, these are the things you are to continue to teach and to reach others. But it didn't start, start off nice and friendly and in this new calling for their life. They had their ups and downs. They encountered problems. And, and probably one of the biggest problems they encountered was when Jesus was being led to the cross. Because they thought that when Jesus came, okay, that's, that's the chosen one. There was prophecies that said a Messiah is going to come, an anointed one, the chosen king. He's going to rescue you. And so they thought, okay, he's going to come. He's going to build an army. And then he's going to take out those that are oppressing us. He's going to take out the Roman government. He's going to take over. And then, and then we're going to be set free. But then they found out that he, he wasn't that kind of king and he himself said, I, the, the kingdom that I'm after is not of this world. It's a kingdom of eternity. It's a kingdom of heaven, he called it. That's what Christ called it. And so the disciples had a hard time. They found it very difficult when Jesus was being taken to be crucified. But they record the words so that we can understand what took place. And in the book of Matthew, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, I'll read it. And in Matthew chapter 27, verse 27, I'm, I'm just going to give us some background and so, the story and, and what took place so that we could have some context on what it means to have a life-changing moment. 
And it says, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And then he spat on him, took the reed, and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him, put on his own clothes, and then led him away to be crucified. Now, as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, place of a skull, they gave him sour wine mixed with gall to drink. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there, and, and they put up over his head the accusation written against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers who were crucified with him, one on the right and the other on the left, And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priest, also mocking with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others. Himself, he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if if he will save him. For he said, I am the son of God. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Now, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness all over the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. And many women who followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, were there looking on from afar, among who were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Now when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. And Mary Magdalene was there and the other Mary sitting opposite the tomb. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember while he was still alive... 
How that deceiver said, after three days I will rise again. Therefore, command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, he has risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard. Go your way, make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. Now after the Sabbath, As the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly, tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. Now we can read this in retrospect and say, wow, that's an exciting thing that took place. But they were going through a big problem. Because their king is now gone. But now they come and see Christ who is now alive and well. And everything changes. It's at that moment that the disciples understand that everything Jesus said was accurate. Everything he said was going to happen, happened. Just exactly as he said so. It was a life-changing moment. That's why the disciples continued to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Because they saw and witnessed everything that took place. So that you and I would be able to have that same life that was given to them. See, you and I will live this life on this earth and and we don't have enough in us to to fathom how good God is and, 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 and the plan that he has for us. We don't have enough in us. We don't have the smarts to do that. We try our very best to obtain things and we grab whatever we can in, into our lives so that we can become somebody. We try to buy a better car, better clothes, get a better job, get better pay, get a better position, get a better house so that, so that we fit in or we do better than other people. But in the inside, we're still empty. We're dying. And we have yet to fathom this thing called eternity with God in heaven. All we know is this life on this earth because of what we see and what we can tangibly hold I think of our life on this earth as like a grain of sand. It's so short compared to eternity. It's like this grain of sand that that we live for. And we think this is what life is all about. And compared to eternity, you take that grain of sand and you go to Hapuna Beach. And you compare it to all the other grains of sand. That's eternity compared to this on earth. And we look at this and we say, this is what I'm going to live for. I'm going to live for this little grain of sand. I'm going to love this grain of sand. I'm going to keep it safe. I'm going to keep it dear to my heart. I'm going to pack everything that I can into this grain of sand. I'm going to do everything possible. And I'm going to, get, I'm going to be better and better and better in this life. And so we live for this grain of sand. Everything is poured into this grain of sand. And we say this. This grain of sand is mine. Look at what I did. And then we polish it. I'll make this thing nice. This thing is nice. And then one day we lose it. Ah! Where'd it go? And it's lost in this world and, and so is our life. And we're looking for the grain of sand. And you even see people looking, walking around like this. Walking, maybe they're looking for other things, but they're walking around. And we walk around lost. We think we're found, but we're not. We're looking around for our grain of sand. Where did my life go? What happened in the past years? Is this where my life has come to? 
and we're, we're so looking for the grain of sand. Then finally, God comes and shows up, and he says, I have so much more for you. You're trying to live for that little grain of sand. I have eternity for you. But you don't have to wait till you die to begin living for eternity. You can live that today because of what I have done. That I have, I have made it possible for you to live a life free of your past or mistakes or the sins that we've committed. I paid it all. Your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins. That's how huge eternity is to God. It, it's for us... It's hard for us to understand. For God, that's where he is. And he says, you can begin a brand new life. This can be your life-changing moment if you understand that that grain of sand is not for you to live everything for, but that that short time that you have on that little grain of sand is enough time for you to develop this relationship with me for all of eternity. See, there's many things we can learn from the cross, the, the death and, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I want to give us just three simple choices when it comes to life-changing moments because we're all going to experience them. And if you have your notes, actually it's in your bulletin and you can take them out and, and follow along. The first choice that we can make is to choose to gain out of pain. Choose to gain out of pain. We're all going to come across painful experiences, bad experiences. We're going to do shameful things. We're going to say things that hurt people. We're going to do things that we're not proud of. And, and we're going to learn along the way. But we can choose to gain out of pain. No one can escape bad experiences. As the saying goes, sometimes you're the pigeon on the statue. Other times... You're the statue under the pigeon. We all live life like that sometimes. It's not pretty, but that's life. Many of our greatest gain can come out of, out of our greatest pain. And we can do everything in our power to, to try to avoid negative situations. You know, some people would just say, okay, if you just think positive, think positive, think positive, then positive will come back. Then you get into a car accident. You're thinking, what? Just positive got to come out of this. Positive. Just think positive, just think positive. Uh, neck injury. Okay, just think positive, think positive, think positive, think positive. And we think thinking positive is all it takes to come to a place where negative will not happen to us. Life is full of negative things. Even when positive things happen, it can turn out negative. It reminds me of this man named Jack Whitaker who won a record $314.9 million in the Powerball jackpot lottery in 2002. But since then, he has a long list of arrests, lawsuits, broken relationships, and even death. In 2007, his wife said this, I wish I had torn up the ticket. $314 million. Talk about a life-changing moment. William Bud Post won $16.2 million in the Pennsylvania lottery in 1988. He later described his experience as a nightmare and wishes it had never happened. He was sued by a former girlfriend and wishes it never happened. His brother hired a hitman in the hopes of earning or receiving the inheritance, all the winnings. He invested in an ill-fated family business and within a year was $1 million in debt. And today, he collects social security checks. Life-changing moments. Too many people wait for negative, life-changing moments to make positive ones. 
Don't wait for the marriage to fail to turn around to God. Don't wait for the family to go astray to turn your life over to God. Don't wait for some horrific incident to take place and then turn your life to God. Don't, don't wait for someone to, to go through some terrible tragedy in order for us to turn to God. Don't wait for your family to struggle before you give your all to God. Turn to God before all of that. Don't wait for the the negative things. And God can still bring good out of that. But he says, don't wait. But how does Jesus bring me positive life changes out of negative ones? In 2 Corinthians 5.15, it's in your notes. The Bible says, and I want us to read this beginning, okay? And it should pop up on the screen. 2 Corinthians 5.15. Just the beginning, just the first couple words. Ready? Go. He died for How many? Last I remember, all meant... Very simple definition. So that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but only for him who died and was raised to life for their sake. No longer then do we judge anyone by human standards. Even if at one time we judged Christ according to human standards, we no longer do so. Anyone who is joined to Christ is a new being. The old is gone, the new has come. Listen, he died not for his sake, he died for ours. He died for us. That we might obtain a new life. He takes even the negative things in our lives and then turns it into a positive one. He died for all. He includes everyone. Doesn't matter. And if you remember dodgeball, that's the rule right there. Dodge the ball. It's simple. You had, a, you had a ball, somebody's slipper or shoe, you put it on one side, you put the slipper on the other side. Pretty simple. Then after a while, you know, you got to put... Boundaries on this because the guy, he ran far. So that was, it was a simple game. You put some boundaries and watch this for safety. You just bean the guy. That's how they got out. You bean them. And then, of course, you know, accidentally somebody get hit in the head. The teeth fly out and they have to say, hey, no more head hunting. Okay, sorry. The guy's face is all welted. <laughs> no more head hunting. The whole concept of the game is you dodge the ball. But here's the greatest news. If you got out and your whole team were, were, you know, on the side, because when you're out, you got to stand on the side, there was that last person who could dodge 10. If you could dodge 10, everybody comes back in. You remember that? And they're all behind the line. They're waiting and they're throwing the ball. You're like, one, come on, nine more, nine more, two, dodge two, come on. And they're cheering you on. And then finally you dodge 10 and everybody comes in. You high fiving the other team mad. They blame each other. See you. And even, even though on your team you get one slow poke, they are still back in the game as a decoy. But that's okay. They're a part of the team. They're a part of the team. When you, when you dodge 10, everyone is included. Jesus dodged death. He dodged death. Therefore, all those who live in him will too. He says, I'm going to give you a brand new life. It's, it's going to start in this temporary world, but you're going to dodge death. For all of eternity. Your body will decay, but your spirit will live on. Your body cannot keep up with your spirit because your body is temporary, but your spirit is eternal. It's going to live on because you believe in me in heaven. He says, I'm giving you an opportunity. It's a free gift that I give to you. Talk about a life-changing moment. All of this, as 2 Corinthians 5 tells us in verse 19, all this is done by God 
who through Christ changed us from enemies into his friends and and gave us the task of making others his friends also. Our message is that God was making the whole human race his friends through Christ. God did not keep an account of their sins, and he has given us the message which tells how he makes them his friends. Did you know that God does not keep record of our sins? He doesn't. There are actually only two people that, that keeps record of our sins, or two kinds. It's human beings and the devil. Sometimes we keep record of our own sins. Sometimes someone else keeps record of our own sins. Sometimes they keep really good records of our sins. You'll get into an argument with your wife by something that broke, and she'll bring up 1982, <laughs> 2.30 in the morning. So we keep record of our sins, but God says, I don't remember them. You've been forgiven. Once I've forgiven you, they're gone. And we think, how can he do that? Because we remember our sins. He says, I don't think like you. I choose to forget. And he says, your your sins, I'm not going to remember them anymore. And then he gave us the task of of telling others about this friendship that we can have with God. That it's it's not a religion. It's a relationship with God. Religion is, is our attempt to, to put something together so that we can gain God's favor. Some type of organization, some religion, so that, so that we can gain God's favor in our attempts to reach God. And, and God says, no, no, put that on the side. Here, here's what it's about. It's about a relationship. It's my attempt to organize everything to reach you. That's what the relationship is all about. That's what God came to do He may have orchestrated everything for this very moment that you and I are here so that we could hear the message that God has that he sent his one and only son that anyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's a simple truth. Many of us have yet to receive that. It's not a temporary friendship. It's an eternal friendship. It's not a temporary change. It's an eternal change. Jesus came from eternity to save the temporal So the temporal would have eternity in heaven. Here's the second thing we can choose. Choose eternal change over a temporary change. Eternal change over a temporary change. See, an eternal change means that we have heaven in mind. That when we live our life here on this earth, it's not just to attend church and to uh, get to know Christ for one day and then that's it. It's an eternal relationship. Not just a temporary fix. He's saying, I'm going to be with you for all of eternity. But how do we do that? Because sometimes, sometimes we get lost in, in our, our concept of God because we read things, we see things on TV, and we, we try to gain the concept. We try to understand God, and, and sometimes there's almost like a language barrier, and, and we can't understand everything that he's doing, and And we say, well, if God is good, why is there pain? If God is good, why do I go through this? If God is good, why did he do that? So we try our very best to grasp the mind of God. But it's hard to. Because we don't understand everything about what he's doing. Because he sees everything in its fullness. We only see the now. Sometimes we have a difficult time talking to God. Because we don't understand everything. I was coming back. Uh, I had an opportunity to speak at one of our churches in the Philippines. And so a couple of weeks ago, Heidi and I came back. 
And on our way back from the airport, uh, on our way back from the Philippines, we're in the Philippines uh, coming back. And, and whenever I fly, I take this thing called airborne. I think you know what that is. You know, you just put a little cup, put some water, and don't eat the tablet. Uh, you put the tablet in the water, and then it, you know, it dissolves. So I just needed a cup. So I went to the counter, and I said, excuse me, can I get a, can I get a cup? And the guy said, huh, a cup? I said, yeah, just, just a cup. He said, uh, you want a cup of cocoa, or you like, uh, you like a cup of coffee? I said, no, I just take a cup. He said, and I said, how much can I just buy the cup? He goes, uh, cup of cocoa? I said, no, cup, cup. I just want a cup. <laughs> and he said, 65 pesos. I said, is that with the cocoa? Yes. I said, no, no, I don't want the cocoa. I just want the cup. Can I just get a cup? No. See, you can't just give me a cup? And then he said, yes, can. 65 pesos. I said, okay, I'll buy the cup. He says, you want cocoa? I said, no, no, no. I don't want cocoa. I just want an empty cup. And I'll pay 65 pesos. And he looks at his friend. He says something. And I guess he didn't understand. And he said, he said, uh... You want cocoa? I said, <clears throat> I said, okay, let's do this. How about you, you, you give me a cup of cocoa, and then I'll pay the 65 pesos, and then you take the cup of cocoa and just pour it out and give me the cup. <laughs> and he goes, huh? Oh, is you, you waste? And I said, no, 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 I just want the cup. He goes, you want cocoa? I said, yeah, oh, yes. I'll take the cocoa, but can you just dump it out? Because you have a sink, right? Can you just dump it out right after? And then, and he's trying to listen, and finally, finally, he, he says, oh, you don't need to pay 65 pesos. I have a better idea. I have a better idea. He pulls out another cup, one of those cheap plastic white ones. He goes, I have this cup for you, and this one is for free. <laughs> so, <laughs> he gives me the cup. I was like, oh, man. Could have just done that. Would have been great. But I think maybe the concept was not there. I don't know. And, and, I, and I wonder if maybe that's like God with us. You know, he's, he's trying to tell us the, the grace that I'm going to give you, the love that I give you, this, this life that I'm going to give you, eternity in heaven. It's all free. I can give this to you. And we're like, but uh, what if I do this? And God is saying, I have a better way. And this one is for free. Maybe he has a better way. And sometimes we have a hard time dealing with that because nothing really is for free. But if you think about it, it's free for us. It costed Christ his life. He died on the cross, buried in the tomb, but was raised again to give us a brand new life. Psalm 49, verses 8 through 15. says, redemption doesn't come easily. For no one can ever pay enough to live forever and never see the grave. Those who are wise must finally die. Just like the foolish and senseless, leaving all their wealth behind, the grave is their eternal home where they will stay forever. They may name their estates after themselves, but their fame will not last. They will die just like animals. This is the fate of fools. Though they are remembered as being wise like sheep, they are led to the grave where death will be their shepherd. In the morning, the godly will rule over them. Their bodies will rot in the grave far from their grand estates. But as for me, God will redeem my life. He will snatch me from the power of the grave. See, that's the hope that God gives to us. And he gives that through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
See, positive change is the best possible outcome from any negative situation. And God brought us here for our life-changing moment. Here's the last choice. Number three, choose the life-changing moment of the cross of Christ. Choose that. It's a choice that we make, and it's, yeah, it may be a one-time deal for salvation, but it's an everyday reminder of what he has done for us. Otherwise, we lose that power of the cross. It's not how good we are. It's how good he is. It's not how smart we are. It's how much wisdom he has. It's an everyday process. And the cross of Christ offers the greatest moment that you and I will ever experience in this life for change. It comes back to the cross. You know, we all want change. I think we all want someone to change. We all want, we all want to do better. We want our government to change. We want our gas prices to change and go down. We want our spouses to change, our children to change, our pay to change. We want to change our past and our sins. We want to change the world. Scientists say that it'll take a thousand years for this thing called global warming to reverse itself. A thousand years. So a couple years ago, Heidi and I, we figured, hey, let's just go green. Let's start recycling. So we started recycling cans and bottles and, and you know, plastic bottles. And so we, we, we do that and we collect them all. And then uh, we also have this compost thing where you throw your, you know, the foods and things inside and, and certain foods. And, and then you can make this garden out of it. It's really good soil. And so we, we do our very best to do that and, and cardboard and we separate them. It's like it takes a half an hour to throw away a piece of paper. But that's okay. We're trying our very best. And then the other day I came, I was drying some clothes and uh, I found this jar on our dryer with, with dryer lint. And so I, I said, Heidi, uh, on the dryer there's this big jar of like dryer lint. What is that? She goes, oh, I saw this cool thing on TV. They said, you can use your dryer lint to start your fires. <laughs> like, what do you mean start your fires? Like you just throw them and boof. She goes, no, 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 no. It's like kindling. Once you start that thing, it's like, it just catches fire. I said, really? Is that how far we've come in global warming? We've got to save dryer lint? <laughs> and she goes, no, no, it's good. It's good. It's good. So we're collecting dryer lint. Now, don't drop it off at my house. I'm just saying. That's what we're doing. <laughs> but it may take a thousand years to reverse this thing called global warming. I don't have a thousand years to wait around for that. But we can do our part. I also don't have a thousand years to change this. I don't have that long. I don't have a thousand years to change my heart. I don't have that much time. You and I don't have that much time to change what is happening on the inside. We don't. But God says, I have eternity. I can do it in a moment. I have that power. I can do that for you. He says, but it's up to you. You, gotta ch- you have to choose that eternal life-changing moment because of the cross of Christ. 2 Corinthians 6, 2, it says, at just the right time, at just the right time, I heard you, and this is God saying this, on the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. God says, I helped you. We don't have what it takes to free us from sin. We don't have what it takes to get to heaven. We can't earn our way to heaven. We can't do enough good to get to a perfect place. But he made it possible. He is our helper. 
And even though throughout all our lives there have been life-changing moments, it has led us to this very day. I played this game with my kids when they were younger. Uh, I would write on these post-its or little notes, and I would write like a clue on it. And I would say, okay, this is the first clue, and this clue I'll put somewhere, and they have to find it. And then it would lead them to another place. And then it would go to uh, uh, maybe some place in the, uh, the washroom or something, and, and then I'll put a clue on there. And then it would say, okay, go to the garage, because the garage is going to have something. So they go to the garage, and then they find their next clue, and I, I just hang it there. And then I'll go to another place, and then I'll put it. And I'll say, okay, you got to go there. And, and the last and final clue, maybe I'll put it over here. And I'll, on the last one, it'll say, get ready for freshly baked chocolate chip cookies and milk. And when they get that final one, they pick it up. They're like, yeah, chocolate chip cookies. And they're happy. But all the time while they're looking for these clues, I'm making the cookies. So by the time they get the last one, they can smell the reward. They know already that it's coming. Now, throughout our entire life, I guarantee you can do this even right now, just within a snapshot. You can see all the clues, life-changing moments, everything along the way that you have gone through that has led you to this very moment. It could have been a tragedy. It could have been, it could have been where maybe your dad said a word to you, your mom said a word to you, It could have been a loss of a loved one. It could have been where you lost everything. It could have been where where you and your spouse split up or you got a divorce or or you had a, a health situation or finances went bad. Every step along the way brings us to this very moment. And I remember looking back at my life and I I would pick up mine and I would say, Yeah, my dad left when I was second grade. Yeah, I remember that. Boy, that was a that was a life changing moment. And then Oh, I remember this. Yeah, my dad died when I was 11th grade. That was a life-changing moment. Yeah, oh, I was a teenage father. That was a life-changing moment. That was hard. It was difficult. Didn't know what to do. Then I had to decide, am, am, I, going to, am I going to move to the Big Island or am I going to attend college with a free, all-paid scholarship? It's a life-changing moment, but I got to make my decision. Then what am I going to do with my life? I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to try this thing called God. And I'll try. And I remember sitting there and I'm thinking, there's no way you could love this. How can you, how can, how can you say that you, you, you died for this? Out of everything that I've been through and everything that I've done, how can you just freely give me this thing called eternal life? There's got to be some catch to it. And he said, no. There is no catch. It's the life that I want to give to you. Everything has brought you to this moment. And for so many of us, it has brought us to this moment. I don't know how many post-its we have. You probably know. God knows. And I could look at this and say, God, you did this to me. It's your fault. That's why all of this took place. He said, no, 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 no. You live in a sinful world that horrible things happen, but I came to set you free from it. I came to give you a brand new life to show you the way. I can 
I can turn your greatest pain into the greatest gain. But it's your choice. And that's where we stand today. It's a life-changing moment for us. I'm going to ask if you were to put away your Bibles and, and your notes. You can put that away. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. It's a simple message. It's the cross of Christ. His death and resurrection. It's a life-changing moment. The cross of Christ offers the greatest life-changing moment in the history of mankind. And ask if you would bow your heads and just close your eyes for a moment. And we're going to pray together. And who knows that God would orchestrate all of this and, and lead you all to this one moment. Lead us all to this moment. Whatever post-its in life brought us to this point. And so as we pray, it's, it's, there's, it's a moment between you and God himself. And for some, it's, it may be a little tough, but with an outstretched arm, with a heart of compassion, God welcomes you. So Heavenly Father, this morning as we pray together, I know that there's many, many people that, like myself, had a hard time dealing with this thing called relationship with you and because I, I, I didn't understand it all. But Lord, it, the, the truth is simple, that you, you love us. You came to die for us so that we could be set free from all the junk that holds us back. There may be some of you this morning that you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ and it's a big step because you're unsure of what the future would be like. You don't know what will happen. But you know that God loves you. And if there's anyone here this morning that has never said yes to Jesus Christ, I want to give you that opportunity. And if you want to give your heart to Jesus in exchange for the new life that he has for you, I'm just going to ask real briefly if you just lift a hand and I want to pray with you just real quick so I can see it. Just real quick. Good. God sees your hand. Even in the extended sanctuary, if, if you're in there and you're saying, I want to give my heart to Jesus, go ahead. Good. Many of us. Good. God bless you. God sees you. Sees you right there in the back. God bless you. Yeah. God sees you. He knows you. He sees you. Good. Good. In the back there, God sees your hand. He sees your heart. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray this prayer. We can all say this prayer together. It's that valuable. Especially for those who are saying yes to Jesus for the very first time. And here's the prayer. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. And make me brand new. I believe you died on the cross. And you rose again. To give me eternal life. So I thank you from my life-changing moment. In Jesus' name I pray. With every head bowed and eyes closed, how many of us, even as Christians, boy, we go through life and ups and downs and 
It's difficult. It's not easy. But it doesn't change the fact that God still loves us, that he has a plan for us, he has a purpose for us, that he continues to help us along the way. That even though we doubt him sometimes, he's, he's still available. That's why he sent his son. So that we could continue to live our lives for him. And if you're a Christian this morning, you're saying, you know, in response to God's word, it's a life-changing moment for me too. I just want to do better. I want to be a better father, a better mother, a better child, a better person. I know I can through Christ who strengthens me. And if that's you this morning, in response, would you just lift a hand real briefly? Good. Yeah, God, that's me. Good. You put your hands down. Lord, all of us, we, we try our very best. Sometimes that's maybe where we're going wrong. It's, it's not us trying. It's, it's what you've already done. That you've already lived a perfect life. And now it's you who live in us and through us. That it's us who no longer lives, but you. That's the power that you give to us. So I pray for all of us, Lord, as we leave today and as we continue to celebrate this Easter day, that we will never forget the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ makes life possible to live at its very best. And so I thank you and we praise you for all the good that you're doing, even when you can bring us out of a negative situation into a positive one. That is our life-changing moment, life at its best. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said Amen. Let's congratulate those that said yes to Jesus today. What a wonderful decision. That is the best decision that you will ever make. After service, I have a free Bible for you. For those that said yes to Jesus, it will help you with your new walk with Him. I'm going to be on this side on the floor. Uh, I would love to meet you. It would be an honor for me to meet you and give you a Bible. And if you need prayer, we can pray. But it's Easter. We celebrate the King. The one who has risen from the grave is alive and well. Amen.